You are listening to the You Are a Lawyer podcast. I am the podcast host, Kyla Denanio, a 2015 law school graduate. This podcast was created to share the experiences and successes of law school graduates who created their own paths to career success. In episode 45, I am speaking with a business consultant and lawyer. This guest coaches women lawyers in solo and small practices to grow their businesses. Based in Cockeysville, Maryland, today's guest is Sharon Christie. Sharon, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you. It is just such a pleasure to be here. I've been looking forward to this for a while now. (laughs) Great. Would you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Yes, I'd be happy to do that. I describe myself a bit as a serial professional, but I live in Maryland. I was born and raised in Baltimore, and I started out my work life as an ICU nurse. And after a few years, decided that uh, as much as I loved it, it was not going to be something I saw myself doing for the rest of my working life. So I went to law school. Actually, let me back up. I actually tried to stick it out as a nurse. I got a master's in nursing and health policy, thinking that I would really get into the policy side of healthcare Mm -hmm. because I enjoyed that. And that really wasn't getting me where I wanted to go either. So at that point, I said, okay, I'm going to law school. And I did that. And uh, thinking that I would really end up in some type of legislative position, again, working on health policy. But once I got to law school and got into courses involving litigation and got into trial advocacy and started doing little parts of trials, I loved it. Okay. And so my whole, my whole uh, uh, plan fell apart at that point. And I said, nope, I want to be a litigator. And that's what I did for many, many years. Um, I did all personal injury work uh, on the defense side initially and in a big firm. And then my heart really wasn't on the defense side, although I worked with great lawyers. It was great training. But my heart was on the plaintiff side. So I switched. I went to work for a smaller firm, ultimately became a partner in a small firm. And and I did that for a long time. And I loved it until I didn't love it anymore. I don't know how else to describe it, but I really never dreamed this would happen. But I reached the point where I said to myself, I cannot take another deposition. I cannot draft another interrogatory. And if I never have another trial, that will be okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so at that point, I knew I needed to find something else. Um, But I wanted to stay in the law. And it was also at that time that my small law firm, uh, there were three of us, um, we were deciding to go our separate ways. So it was a very amicable divorce. And uh, but we all went our separate ways. And I set up my own firm, Because at that point, I knew there was no way I was going to work for anybody else. That was not going to go well if I Mm -hmm. if I tried to do that for them or for me. (laughs) So I set up my own firm. And I was really looking around to see what can I do that really is going to meet my needs better. And but that I can use my background, uh, particularly as a nurse, uh, that I can use my background um, to my advantage. And I was very fortunate that At the same time, I had a friend who did nothing but disability cases, and she needed help 
at the administrative level, presenting the cases to the administrative law judges and came to me and said, would you be interested? And I thought, oh, this is great. What a great opportunity because I can learn it and see mm-hmm. how I like this. Well, so I said, sure. Jumped in and immediately said to myself, oh, this is what I was really meant to do. I just loved it from the get-go. Yeah. And so I worked with her for probably about a year just handling the hearings, but at the same time, starting to build up my own caseload. And ultimately, I was able to transition my law firm from personal injury plus working with her to do these hearings. I transitioned my own law firm to 100% disability Mm -hmm. cases. And I did that for 16 years. And I loved it. When you know you've hit that right fit, nothing is better. So I loved it, but I did reach a point where I said to myself, okay, you've been doing this for a long time. I think it's time to transition out of actually handling cases and practicing law and move into something else. And and I had for a long time had in the back of my mind that I really ultimately wanted to be able to work from home in a position that was working with lawyers, but teaching them. Mm-hmm. And so that's what I did. I sold my law practice. Uh, I'm still of counsel to the firm that I sold it to. Okay. Uh, but I launched my own uh, coaching and consulting business for women lawyers in solo and small firm practice. And that's what I'm doing now and loving it. I'm loving life. I love the challenge. <laughs> and people have said to me, why didn't you just stop working? And I, I've said, well, why would I? Because I love the structure of work. But I love the fact that I am totally in control of my time now. Uh, I don't have to work by a court schedule. I work by my own schedule. And of course, I can limit the amount of work that I take on to meet the needs of the rest of my life, which usually involves a lot of travel, has not for obvious reasons for the past couple of years but my husband and I, that we will get back to our travel schedule in the next couple of months. Yeah. Domestically or going anywhere special? No, we were traveling both domestically and internationally. My husband is from Poland. He was born and raised in Poland. And so he, of course, loves to travel in Europe. And I do too. Uh, And in the last several years, we try to schedule a trip at least once a quarter. Mm -hmm. And that's worked out very well for us. And in the last several years, we really got into hiking and taking hiking vacations. We've seen some incredible sights. I love the Canadian Rockies. That was one of our last trips that we were able to take. We had gone to Cinque Terre in Italy. It was fabulous. It's been a combination of sightseeing and hiking vacations, which has just been really, really challenging, but fun. Yeah. So life is good. Life is good. (laughs) Well, good. It sounds like it's good. That reminded me of one of my favorite quotes from, I don't know if it's a movie or a show. And someone was talking about hiking. They were like, oh, I hate hiking. And they were like, let me tell you a secret. Hiking is walking. (laughs) Oh, correct. It is walking. Now it is sometimes walking up very steep inclines, but that's okay. That's exactly right though. You need some good hiking boots Mm -hmm. and we got some walking sticks to help. They recommend it on these trips that we bring them. Yeah. And let's see, a, a good backpack. And that's really it. And you don't need training. 
in terms of like, you don't have to take ski lessons. You don't, you know, you don't have to take any lessons like that. You just get out there if you're going to go with a group to find a group that's compatible with you both physically and people you can get along with. Yeah. And I'm sure it's incredible. I mean, hiking through Italy sounds like a dream. I'm telling you, it was. There was a point (laughs) at which I was thinking, I think I've died and gone to heaven. This is incredible what I am seeing. There's just something about being in nature. It's beautiful, peaceful, and it really does take you totally out of the hustle, bustle, worry, anxiety, and all of that, that we can tend to get wrapped up in, mm-hmm. in our work lives, particularly as lawyers. Yeah. And well, it sounds great. So I did not realize that you were a partner for so long before you started working in the social security disability field. Yeah. Um, what was it that made you decide like, okay, I couldn't work for another person? It really was the idea that I wanted to be 100% in control of the decisions, good, bad, or indifferent. Okay. I wanted to be able to totally structure things myself. I mean, I love my former partners and we're still good friends, but there were, from a business point of view, there were things that I wanted to do that I just felt that in a partnership setting, we're not going to be agreed to. And I wanted to do it. I, you know, I wanted to do it my own way. Uh, I can be stubborn that way. So I wanted to do it my own way and see how that worked. And some of it worked great. I made a lot of mistakes, but that's okay. Mm -hmm. Because it's just like when you make a mistake as a lawyer, I would come out of every hearings, depositions, when I was doing injury work, trial, whatever it was. And like we all do think, okay, I made a mistake. How can I do that better the next time? Yeah. And it was the same with running the business. Okay, this was a mistake. Uh, I don't want to repeat that. What can I learn from this? And how can I structure things differently going forward? But for me, it was really the idea of, I want to be 100% in control. And as a solo practitioner, you totally are. So I love that aspect of it. Yeah. So... You went from being an ICU nurse, which requires its own multiple years of training and development. You were at the University of Virginia for nursing, and then you got your master's in nurse policy at the University of Maryland. What was that like when you decided, I don't want to be a nurse anymore. I I want to be challenged in another way. Yeah, that's a a great question because it was a hard decision. Mm -hmm. There is a bond that you have with patients that you're never going to have the same kind of bond with a client as a lawyer. It's very different. The circumstances under which you're working with people as a, as a nurse are so very different than as a lawyer. Mm -hmm. And I knew right from the beginning, if I gave up nursing, that I would never have those kinds of relationships again. And and that was really hard. But I also felt very strongly at the time that what you did as a nurse, while patients and their families appreciated it within the hierarchy of healthcare, it was not well respected. Yeah. And I knew that for myself, I needed to find a profession where I felt like I would be respected. And I I sort of laugh about it sometimes because I I realized later, I said to myself, well, 
you went from one of the most popular professions in terms of how the the public views them Mm -hmm. as a nurse to a profession where people laughingly would say, well, lawyers, I guess, are one step above used car salesmen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, And I would just laugh about that saying, oh, and you thought you wanted more respect, but <laughs> but in any event, I did. And I felt like I certainly felt like I got it. You know, yeah. being able to practice as a lawyer, being able to help clients, they do look at you differently. They treat you differently as a lawyer than I was treated as a nurse. So I do miss to this day uh, that kind of relationship that I had with patients when I was in nursing, but I knew I wasn't going to miss it enough to make me stay in the profession of nursing. So I've never looked back. I've never regretted it. And, And I found that my background as a nurse really helped me, particularly in the disability area, Okay, because I, it, it would help me just understanding the cases better for sure. But it would also help me just in my relationships with many of my clients, because I was able to get the information from them about their, the medical side of things that I don't know I would have been able to get if I had not been trained as a nurse. So Mm -hmm. it all worked out. It all worked out great for me. What was it that made you decide to get the master's degree in nurse policy? Yeah, that's a really, that was sort of an interesting part of my journey. I think at that point, I knew I was dissatisfied in many ways with the work that I was doing as a nurse, but I wasn't ready to give it up entirely. Mm -hmm. And so at the time I had the thought that maybe if I improve my credentials, that is going to allow me to move into a position within healthcare where I feel like I can have more of an effect uh, and really, you know, get more respect. That's what my thinking was at the time. And I enjoyed the program uh, very much. Yeah. Uh, and it's probably part of what ultimately led me to law school. But I realized once I finished and got the master's degree, and that was great, but it was not leading me where I thought it would lead me. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's really the bottom line. And I had an experience after I got my master's and I was working, I was actually working in the home health industry, but running an agency and without getting into a lot of really boring details, um, this was in Maryland and there were certain legal requirements we had to meet. So we had to hire counsel to help us with what the time was called certificate of need. And it, it got pretty complicated. But one of the things I realized as we went through this whole process with our legal counsel and trying to get this certificate that we needed to operate all of the services that we wanted to provide. Remember, I went home one night and I sat down and I said to myself, Sharon, I can tell you, your lawyer is having a lot more fun than you are. (laughs) And maybe you should start thinking about law school. And that really was part of what what got me started down that path to say, you know, he really is just enjoying this and I can understand (laughs) why. And it's pretty exciting for him and um, not so much for me. And maybe I need to start thinking about one more degree. So that's what propelled me along that path for sure. And just one more question about nursing. Sure. When you had your master's in nursing policy, were you still working as a nurse? No, I was still working as a nurse. Okay. Yes. 
So I hadn't totally given it up. And in fact, I was a law clerk after my second year of law school. After my first year of law school, I actually came back and worked as a nurse. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I went to, uh, I, uh, I live in Maryland, but I went to the University of Notre Dame to law school and mm-hmm. I came back to Maryland that first summer and I could earn more as a nurse than as a law clerk. Mm-hmm. So I said, all right, Absolutely. I'm going to work as a nurse for one, one more summer because I was putting myself through law school and I needed the money. And uh, so I did that, but that was my final, uh, that was my final uh, hurrah as a, as a nurse that summer. And then you know, went back for my second year in law school. And um, that was it. It was law forever after that. <laughs> <laughs> forever after. That was forever. your your last summer farewell to nursing. Yeah. Correct. It was. <laughs> it was. Yes. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. So an interesting thing jumped out at me when you were speaking. It's weird to think that being a lawyer was a less pressured job you know what I mean? Because a lot of times lawyers are so like stressed out and overworked, but mm-hmm. with you coming from an ICU nurse, especially mm-hmm. being a lawyer was actually a little bit lower stress, um, less demands. The, the stakes are different. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just different. Definitely. Okay. Well, you know, when you're, when you're working with people that are sick enough to be in an ICU, mm-hmm. you know, the stakes are their lives and that's high pressure for mm-hmm. sure. When you're working with clients as a lawyer, the stakes are, will we win the case? What happens if we win the case? Or when I was doing defense work, what happens to me if we don't win the case? Mm -hmm. Will this affect my license? You know, how will this affect me? So it is a, it's a different kind of pressure. I think I felt more pressure, honestly, as a lawyer handling disability cases than than any other kind of case. And I would even tell clients, you know, because I wanted them to understand, I I would tell them, look, I feel the weight of your case. And when I said that, what I meant was, I understood that these are people who didn't ask to become sick, but they were sick. And they didn't, for the most part, want to stop working. They have to because they're sick. And now I'm telling them in the beginning of the cases, you know, this could take two years or so before we get a decision, but they have no income for two years. The lucky ones, my lucky clients had a partner, a spouse, a significant other who was working. And so they had some income, but I had many, many clients who were single and they had no income and they had to rely on any savings that they might have. It was a very, very difficult situation for them. And I, I did feel that, that weight. Uh, and I understood for them the importance of these cases. And you have to understand that if you win a disability case with Social Security, the average payment is $1,500 a month. You know, it varies according to how much you earned while you were working. But I, I, would, I would get very frustrated by people who would rail against Social Security disability and these people are freeloading and they just want free money. And, yeah. and, you know, and that was not true at all. And, and sometimes I would say to people, do you understand that for most people, they're going to get about $1,500 a month? Now try to live on that. Yeah, I think yeah. a 40, $44,000 a year job is maybe 1500 every two weeks. So 1500 a month is mm-hmm. as an adult or, and even a parent or something that's pretty tight. Oh yeah. 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 
So I would say that pressures were there, but in a very different way, Mm -hmm. in a very different way. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You have so many accolades and awards for being a lawyer. What was it about practicing law that you enjoyed that made it exciting for you to where other people saw it and you were rewarded for it? I loved the aspect of putting a case together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like putting puzzles together when you're constructing a case and how you're going to represent somebody, whether it was personal injury or, or disability. I love that. But I really, really love the clients. And okay. again, particularly on the disability side, it's not that I didn't like my personal injury clients. I did. But I really was able to, I think, relate to them in a way that frankly made, made me feel good. I, I don't know how else to describe it. I, I just felt like I got to know them and their problems, their fears, their highs, their lows, you know, as we went through these cases, I really got to know them at a fairly deep level. And I, and I enjoyed that a lot. And that, that probably stems from my background as a nurse, because mm-hmm. I just needed to have that, that personal connection with them for myself. That was very important that it's not just the case. It's not just the parts of the case that we need to do. I really want to feel like I know you a bit and that I've helped you in some way. Mm-hmm. So more than the, than the accolades, which are lovely and really nice, but I have something I call a gratitude box. And in that, I have all of the cards and notes and letters that I receive from clients after their cases were over, just saying thank you and telling me what a difference me and my team, because they were huge. I couldn't have done any of this without my team. Yeah. What a difference we made in their lives. And that, that for me is is the most important thing because you are able to positively affect someone's life. To me, that's what it should be all about. So, mm-hmm. so I honestly would take those over the accolade because they're just so meaningful. And it just makes you feel good to know that you have really helped someone in a time of pretty deep distress. Yeah. And honestly, that speaks to your personality. It sounds like you'd rather know from a personal level that you've helped someone then worry so much that, you know, rooms full of people recognize you as a lawyer. So uh, that's true. Yes. Yeah. You know, we, we all have things that stroke our ego. And for me, that's what it is. For sure. <laughs> okay. When you were talking about, you just couldn't do another deposition. You just couldn't work on another file. You just couldn't. Yeah. That stood out to me because there's a lot of people that listen to the podcast who are either young lawyers, like who've been practicing for five years or less, or law students who are about to practice. Mm -hmm. Would you say what you were experiencing was burnout or you were just ready for the next thing? I think I was ready for the next thing. Okay. And sometimes I think people do confuse burnout with maybe it's time to look at a different aspect of my practice. And so I was fortunate that I, I did sort of hit that wall, just saying to myself, I, this, I can't do this anymore. I know I can't do it, but I was not ready or willing at that point to give up on law in its entirety. I knew that there was something else out there that I was going to enjoy more. Now, I'll tell you one big mistake I made. As I was beginning to look around, 
a friend of mine, a good friend of mine said, you really ought to look at trust and estates and Medicaid planning. And I just think you'd be great at that. And instead of doing the rational thing, which would have been to talk to some trust and estate lawyers that I know to see if that really made sense for me to get into that area. I jumped in and I, even, I registered to audit a course at a local law school. I was going to learn all about this and I was going to go and switch my whole practice over to trust and estates and Medicaid planning. And I think I was in week two of attending the classes and we had to start talking about the tax aspect. And I, honestly, I remember sitting in the class thinking to myself, what are you doing? You hate tax. Why would you ever think you want to get into a field involving tax? And so I immediately got out. That was the end of that. So I would, I would recommend to anybody who feels like they've hit the wall, they, they cannot do whatever area of practice you're doing right now, you know, before you give up entirely on being a lawyer, start by just talking to some of your colleagues who are in other areas of law, other areas of practice, and see if there might be some other area out there of practice that you're more suited to, or other ways to use your law degree that you might not have thought of. So, you know, maybe in-house counsel or some type of corporate position. I have friends that went into uh, HR uh, and it was tremendous given their, their legal background. It was tremendous for them. So I think there's lots of avenues out there for you. If you feel like you've just hit the wall, you cannot do it anymore. You think you're burned out and maybe you are, but you may not be burned out entirely on the legal profession. You just may need to look at a different aspect of the legal profession and you'll find it more satisfying. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point. So that is a great segue into your current (laughs) role as the CEO of Bold Women Lawyers. Would you explain what Bold Women Lawyers is and why you created it? Sure. So as I said, when when I knew it was time, it was time for me to do something else, Mm -hmm. but I wanted it to remain connected to the law. And I had found that on my journey as a solo practitioner for 16 years, I probably have made every mistake you could possibly make in setting up and running uh, my own business. And I was fortunate that I did find, uh, I did reach out ultimately to get some help, to get some business coaching, and it was very helpful. But one of the things that I couldn't find as a woman lawyer was a lot of women lawyers who were also coaching or consulting, helping other women lawyers in their practices. So I decided that's what I really wanted to do. Now, I don't want, don't get me wrong. It's not that I don't like men. I love men. I married one, you know, and uh, I have grandsons and stepsons and it's, it's all good. But I do find that women evaluate problems differently. They solve problems differently. And we speak in a different voice. Mm -hmm. It's not better. It's not worse. It's just different. And we relate differently to one another. And I was searching for that and couldn't find it. So that's why I decided, you know what, I'm going to do it myself. Mm -hmm. Because I really enjoy working with other women attorneys and helping them to solve their legal business problems. It's like, you know, when you're a lawyer, you solve legal problems. When you're a a business consultant or a business coach, 
you solve business problems. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I'm doing now. Okay. How have you enjoyed, you know, doing it? I see that you are being a podcast guest often. You're coaching women. You're helping them with all aspects of their life. Are you proud of the change that you've made? Yes, it's been great. I really do enjoy it. It's very different. I have had to go up a big learning curve, which is, which is good because it's a challenge, but on things like podcasting, I didn't know what podcasting was. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, you know, I didn't know what podcast guesting was, uh, but here's what I thought. I thought, well, you know, I'm a lawyer. I love to talk. So this is going to be fun. Uh, and it has been fun. I had to get up a big learning curve on social media. Uh, because I knew about social media that I used, some of it I used in my practice as a lawyer. Yeah, I didn't use Instagram. At the time, LinkedIn to me was all about finding a new job, which is about much more than that now. So I wasn't familiar with LinkedIn and how do you do these posts and what am I going to talk about? And all of those things were running through my head. And so I had to learn all that. Mm -hmm. And it's been challenging, uh, but it's been fun. And, but I, what I really love is being able to work with women and, you know, we, we can do a session where uh, we can do one session where we're going to focus just on one major problem that they have and work out what's going on with that problem. What are ways to solve that problem? What's the plan and how are you going to implement it? Or we can do longer, you know, six month coaching commitments where we really lay out a much bigger plan and work step-by-step through the implementation. Mm-hmm. So either way, uh, I, I really enjoy doing that and then being able to see the results uh, when we're finished. Yeah. And would you ever open it up or create a, a different branch of the company where you worked with non-lawyers? Or civilians, <laughs> I like to call them. Yes, as we call them. It's funny you say that because I've had that thought that, you know, women entrepreneurs are women entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I happen to be in the legal profession at the moment, but all of the lessons that I have learned are equally applicable to other types of businesses. So yeah. that may well come down the pike. I'm not there yet, but that may well happen. Yeah. I mean, and even if it doesn't happen, Bold Women Lawyers, like it's such a cool name. (laughs) It's just everything is right there in the title, Bold Women Lawyers. I love it. Exactly. I don't think we think about that. It is a bold step Mm -hmm. to go out there and say, I'm going to open for business on my own. Oh, yeah. It is a very bold step. And I applaud everyone who does it, whether you're male or female, it doesn't matter. (laughs) uh, Because it, it, it is a bold step to take. So, so yay to everyone who has done that. Yeah, it is. And I find even with the podcast, you know, I'm constantly congratulating myself for still doing it, for the fact that I created it. Because when you're online, especially for me, I follow a lot of lawyers. I follow a lot of podcasts. It seems like everyone is doing this, but mm-hmm. everyone's not. So if you are bold enough to take that step, appreciate it. And if you don't know how to appreciate it, connect with Sharon. And you help them, you know, tap in and understand that what they're doing is a big accomplishment. Absolutely. And I will say to you, congratulations to you for the consistency, because that (laughs) that is a key. Yeah. You know, any work that you're doing, even when you think nobody's listening, Mm -hmm. nobody's paying attention to me, they are, and you don't even know it, but it's the consistency that leads to your success. 
Yeah, it is. Congratulations. Thank you. So Sharon, as we wrap up, is there anything else that you would like to say about your career transition or where you are now? Yes. And thank you for this opportunity. I really want people to understand that you have many, many, many options having a law degree. Mm -hmm. And I do know that for some people, there's a high degree of dissatisfaction. And I can understand that. But I would encourage you, as I said before, if you're feeling that, but you're not sure if you really want to leave the law, you don't have to. You can find plenty of other opportunities that will make great use of your law degree and may not be the traditional law firm setting, but that's okay. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you feel like you need a change, don't be afraid to do it. But remember that there are plenty of other opportunities out there for you. You just have to be open-minded and look for them. Absolutely. And look outside of your traditional JD required roles. Like you said earlier, you had friends that moved from practicing to the HR side, and that was a good fit. I moved from the administrative side to operations, which, you know, opening a department, hiring, disciplining, all of that uses your law degree in very different ways. So think outside the box. Amen. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Sharon. I appreciate it. Well, it has been my pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to You Are a Lawyer. While you are here, subscribe to the show, leave a rating, and tell a friend about this episode. New episodes are released every other Thursday. Thanks again for listening. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Bye.